Thanks for downloading the South Everett Foursquare podcast. This is Pastor Chris Pepler, and you've joined us for our Advent series, The Women of Christmas. Together, we're exploring the vital role that women played in the coming of Christ. You can find us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Village on Casino Road, or visit us on our website, southeverett.org. Enjoy today's podcast. Build in flesh the God at sea, hell incarnate deity. Please this man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn. of peace, hail the sun of righteousness, light and light to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, bow delays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to So this morning, I'm going to um, read out of Mary's song from Luke 1, starting from verse 46. Um, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been merciful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. His holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So this morning, um, the thing that stood out to me from that um, song is that Mary was praising the Lord for what he was doing through her in faith, um, recognizing that the Lord is faithful to use her and to use us um, to those around us. Um, so this morning, we, uh, we just have songs that recognize the faithfulness and the goodness of God, just like Mary did. And I ask that you would be thinking about different testimonies that God has been working in your life, um, not just for yourself, but for others as well. I just want to say something. Um, so in light of the present things that are happening and our current challenges and all that, we forget many things, but God doesn't forget things. And not very long ago, uh, and even years ago, I guess, we were meeting together with masks and all that stuff. 
people getting sick and all that stuff. And for some time, there was a ministry here where people that couldn't make it in person, if they were ill or whatever, they would tune in on Zoom. And the person who was running that was Lauren. And she faithfully did that week after week, and it was a lot of work. And sometimes it was like a crime. She kept doing that, and it was like she had a little church that she was a pastor of. And I, a couple times when I was sick, I would, I would tune in through Zoom. And the, the people that gathered in that church needed fellowship and needed the Lord's presence. And she, because of her work, she provided that. And I had a full church experience when I tuned in on Zoom to this church. I didn't forget that. You were faithful with that. You really were awesome.
darkest valleys I'll fear no evil For you're with me For you're with me For you're with me, God For you're with me Christmas. It's a wonderful weekend. We had north of 50 people here last night building gingerbread houses and playing reindeer games, and those got a little controversial, and that's fine. <laughs> but our youth won ultimately all these little trophies, and it was, it was great. Uh, just thanks to Brenda and Chris and Danessa for everyone who put that together for us <laughs> last night. If you didn't get a chance to see all the gingerbread creations, they're over here on the table. I do want to invite Lauren to come. I think uh, Dan's introduction of Lauren today was beautiful and true, and uh, we just thank God for you and your life and your ministry, so come and minister the Word of God to us. Thank you, Lauren. Okay. Well, good morning. My name is Lauren. I've been really enjoying this series that we've been doing. It's um, Two weeks ago, we talked about women in ministry and what four squares theology on that is and um i love chris's notation of like uh, in the essentials unity and non-essentials charity and in all things love right and so we talked about that and about women in ministry and how here in this church and in Foursquare, which is the movement that we're a part of women in ministry is something we absolutely do hence me standing here last week we started talking about the women of christmas we're reading this book I just I binged the whole thing this week by my Christmas tree, and my Christmas tree is a fake Christmas tree. So I turn on, I have a Christmas tree candle to make my house smell like a Christmas tree. Woo! You know, do the combo. So you light the candle, you sit down, and you read your Roman of Christmas book. Um, <laughs> worthwhile. And last week we looked at the life of Elizabeth. This week we're looking into Mary's story, as you've heard. But first, I want to show you something that's kind of fun. I don't know if many of you know this about Mary, but historically, women of her time, they were married off quite young, like 12, 13, right in there. There's lots of cultural context to that. We could get totally into it if we want to, but the piece that I want you to remember is hearken back in your minds 
to the time when you were 12 or 13. <laughs> and we're going to look at the delights and perils of being an early teen. I brought pictures, um, which is totally putting myself on blast. Nobody is their coolest at 12 and 13. So if you're 12 or 13, just know you get cooler from here. Um, this um, is my sixth grade outdoor school group. We went to Camper Kyla. Um, our sign's supposed to say happy campers. <laughs> that was my job. I wrote it. I missed it. Um, in case you don't recognize me, I'm the second one in. My friend Noelle's on the end. I was taller than all the boys in my sixth grade class. I don't, I don't know why I got my growth spurt so early, but I have not grown any taller since. And these, these are a bunch of my longtime friends. Actually, three of them were my bridesmaids a few weeks ago. Yeah, so isn't that fun? <laughs> it's not funny, you start to get to that age and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I got this figured out. Like, right. And then you get to wherever you are now and you're like, what did, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I don't show you these to compare myself to the mother of Jesus by any stretch. But just to remind us about who we're talking about here. Mary was young, and yet the Lord chose her for this special purpose. She was young and awkward. And it makes me wonder, what incredible purposes he has for the young people in this room, and the young people back in those rooms, in our community, and how we, as their supporting adults, can help partner with them yeah. in those things. Let's take a look at the first time we met Mary, shall we? It's Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary has one question. She says, How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on, will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. It's at this point that 13-year-old Lauren would have made a snarky comment. But um, Mary does something different. <laughs> she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. When I was studying this week, there's a couple of things that really impacted me were Mary's faith and her humility in this encounter. Listen, most people, when they see angels, they freak out. So, biblically, you could, there's all kinds of examples. Mary did not do that. The first thing was her faith. Maybe God knew what he was doing when he picked a person so young for his plan. Her faith was still childlike. And she didn't immediately get swept up into the thoughts of possibility, impossibility of what she was being told, or the social consequences that would come as a result. Maybe those things were in her head, but we see how she responds. She simply heard the Lord's promise and believed him. As an adult, 
that would be really difficult for me to do. If I got this word from the Lord, even as a married adult, I'd be like, okay, listen, I'm gonna need some more information, right? But, the, but Mary just simply hears the Lord's promise and believes him. Uh, she also has an incredible amount of surrender in this moment. Mary is a poor early teenage girl in a town of about 100 people. In this town, the poorest people live in caves. Historically, that's what we know about Nazareth. Pledged to be married to a carpenter. Her only question is how, which is not a question of doubting, but in itself is accepting the promise as her reality and trying to wrap her mind around the logistics. Her surrender is radical. And it reminds me of the places in me that I have yet to fully surrender to the Lord. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, but when the Lord asks me to surrender something, whether that be like an attitude or a plan or any number of things, a relationship, um, sometimes I go, I'm going to keep this here. I'm like, Lord, I'll give it over to you soon. I just, I just want to hold it a little longer. Or maybe... It's, um, I wrote, I'll give it over to you soon, Lord. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> or maybe when I'm being super faithful, I say, well, Lord, you can have it. Here you go. And then quickly snatch the control back from him whenever I start to feel unsure. Not so with Mary. The Lord asks her for her entire life. As surely this promise would impact every facet of her life for the rest of her life. Remember, she's young. This promise will change the entirety of the rest of her life in every way. And Mary simply says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let your words to me be fulfilled. With a promise like the one Mary had just received, she couldn't just go around telling everybody about it. That's what 13-year-old Lauren would have done. Obviously, people weren't going to believe her, right? It is a kind of, unless like an angel stood there and told it to you, it's like a hard thing to believe, right? But Gabriel had told Mary her, of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy, which at this point in time was not public knowledge, and that was her lifeline. She made the journey to Elizabeth's house. It was eight to ten days, um, up to 100 miles long, depending on which scholar you talk to. Mary somehow finds a way to convince her parents to let her go. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed with the, that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Now, keep in mind, it's likely Elizabeth didn't know Mary was pregnant at this point. This is the Holy Spirit in her words. Um, but I cannot imagine the relief that Mary felt to be greeted this way by Elizabeth. Can you imagine to get this news and have no place to share that? <laughs> you just like stirring within you. Like just like uh, you get this promise from an angel and like now what, you know? <laughs> Um, and to finally walk in and have somebody understand not only what her experience is right now and walk with her with that, but also to confirm the promise that the Lord made to her, to confirm that, that 
she was the mother of her Lord, that the son she was going to bear was a savior, um, and to encourage her in the midst of it. What relief. Chris told us all about Elizabeth's story, so I won't get super into it. Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, they're old now. They've been able to have a child up until now and endured a lot of social judgment because of this. Until her husband, Zachariah, is met in the Holy of Holies, the very inner part of the temple, um, when he's offering incense to the Lord, and God told them he would give them a child in their old age. Well, fast forward. At this point in time, Elizabeth is six months along in her pregnancy, and who, upon being greeted by Mary, is filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaims such encouragement to her. I want to notice this thing. Both Mary and Elizabeth display extraordinary confidence in who God is and in his promises throughout the story. Now, confidence in God is kind of a complex thing. It's built through faith and through testimony and through encouragement. Um, Mary and Elizabeth both had faith, right, likely built in their Jewish homes where they learned about who God was. And the testimony of Elizabeth's pregnancy and then showing up and her being super pregnant, like that's an encouragement. That's a building in the confidence that they had in the Lord and his promises. And through Elizabeth's encouragement to Mary, she is just the very beginning of this process. She still had several hurdles left to face. And we know that the hurdles she has yet to face are informing Joseph. Joseph of this promise, right? Um, and him having to grapple with that. Uh, enduring social ridicule from those who did not believe her, which probably happened for the extension of her pregnancy. Not to mention the birth of the Son of God with nothing but a manger to place him in. And yet, as we watch Mary throughout this process, she maintains her confidence in God's promises all the way through. Mary responds in a beautiful way, a song. Now listen, if I were to respond to things in a song, people would have their ears covered a lot of the time. Uh, I do great when there's somebody else singing, I can match a pitch. <laughs> uh, but I learned in honor choir in sixth grade that my solo skills could use some honing. But Mary, uh, she responds in a song. But it's a conglomeration of bits and pieces of passages from Isaiah and from Proverbs, things that, pieces of scripture that she would have been intimately familiar with. Let's take a look at what she says, how she sings. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. As we've been talking about the women of Christmas, Chris brought to us this thought. When we wait well, we worship well. You guys remember that? Elizabeth waited her whole life, but our friend Mary was just getting started. A mere 12 years into life. And yet, 
just as Mary is entering the season of waiting, waiting as her pregnancy progresses to see the promised son, the Messiah, but also waiting as she endures the whispers of others, the uncomfortability of pregnancy, and the tension of being wed to a man who isn't the father of her child, at least not in the normal sense. I can't even imagine that tension and that. Listen, I just got married. (laughs) That's an adjustment by itself. (laughs) To also be pregnant, I can't even imagine just like, just those two pieces, and then you add all the rest. She's entering the season of waiting, but she begins her period of waiting in worship and recognizing her God and praising his faithfulness to his people and remembering his promises of justice and in humbling herself as she recognizes her part in his plan. Keep in mind when she talks about herself in this, she says he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He's, she's not like, look at me, I'm so cool, I get to be the mother of God. You know, like, she, I mean, she could have, but she didn't. She's humble. She was aware of her place in God's plan and, and recognized God in it. Her heart was aligned with God's will in this place. You've probably heard this before. But worship isn't always just singing songs like we do here on Sunday mornings, right? Or even as Mary does here in Luke. Though that is worship, worship can be done in everything we do. It has more to do with the posture of our hearts, doing what we do to please our Creator, to acknowledge who He is and His character, and to surrender ourselves to Him. We could preach for a year on worship, I'm convinced. But here's what I want you to catch. Elizabeth worshipped at the end of her waiting. I'm sure she worshipped along the way, but we saw her worship at the end. Mary worshipped just as it began. So is it maybe worth considering that not only does our waiting well produce worship, but that also there is a strength that can be found in worshiping in the midst of our waiting. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I intentionally worship, when I intentionally bring my eyes to the Lord, usually what it looks like is um, I often do so in singing in my car by myself. Or in quiet moments with Jesus in the morning, I make my coffee and sit on my couch with Jesus. When I'm in those moments, I acknowledge who God is and surrender myself to him. And in doing so, I get to realign my heart to what, who the Lord is and what he's calling us to do. It's this realignment that can happen in our worship. And that was the problem, right, with the folks that didn't do a good job waiting um, we talked about, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Moses when he went up the mountain, and the Israelites got impatient, and they were like, well, let's just make a cow to worship out of gold, which, uh, uh, um, holy cow, right? Um, I'm sorry. Like, the problem was that in their waiting, they, their, their hearts weren't continually aligned with where God was. They uh, took the control back for themselves, and decided to do what they were going to do, worship something else. And so when we intentionally worship, and I take that time to sit with the Lord, um, any straying I may have done, any temptation to seize control of my weight back for myself, is corrected and surrendered freshly. And also I get my peace back. Mm. When we take that time to worship and acknowledge who God is, and what and where he's taking us. The strife of let me hold it, let me control it, 
I don't know what's going to happen. All of those pieces, all that tension gets released because we surrender it to him. And then we get to have his peace. It's pretty good. And it also makes the waiting sustainable, right? If we were just sitting in the tension of all of our own fears, it would be really difficult to wait well for a long time. Elizabeth waited her whole life. I always tell people whenever we talk about worship to think about what worship looks like for you. It could be music, certainly. I love worship, music for worship because sometimes it gives me words I wouldn't have come up with on my own that help me express what's in my heart. Some people do journaling. Some people create beautiful things. Um, some people gladly serve others. The options are endless. We can worship with all of our lives. Think about for a second where in your schedule, where in your week to week, do you take intentional time to realign yourself, to acknowledge who God is and surrender? Because if I, just from my own experience, if I don't make intentional time for that, they end up few and far between. And there's so much strength in being willing to sit and realign ourselves with the Lord. It's what we're called to do. It's the way he made us. What an incredible example Mary sets for us in all these things. We know that the story doesn't end here. And I'm not gonna, we're not going to read all the way through the story right now. It doesn't end with Mary's song. She does go on to carry Jesus to full term in midst of marrying Joseph and traveling to Bethlehem, where she finally gives birth to her Savior and wraps him in cloths and lays him in a manger. This morning I really wanted to focus on the three things. The first is her complete surrender to God's promise without giving space to all the doubts or consequences that followed. Her f incredible faith in that surrender and her confidence in who God is and how in his promise to her, which is bolstered by Elizabeth and her testimony and encouragement. That's so cool that um, she didn't do this alone. And that in our own callings and our own waitings, God doesn't ask us to do those things alone. We can be encouraged and our confidence in God can be bolstered by the testimony of others and by the encouragement of others. I mean, Dan was a great example of that for me this morning. And lastly, Mary's worship of God, even before her waiting, reminds us to worship in the midst of the wait. Jesus, you're just so faithful to us. Um... Lord, when you picked Mary, um, I know you knew what you were doing, but thank you for picking someone who was such a great example to us in these ways. Lord, thank you that it didn't matter her age or her social status or her gender, um, that you could use her in a miraculous way, Lord, that you do the same with us too, that it doesn't matter our age, or um, how much money we make, or who we are, Lord, that you qualify us when you call us. Jesus, thank you for um, reminding us um, with Mary's surrender to you. Lord, would we surrender new things to you this week? Like things we've been holding on to with tight fists, Lord, or things maybe you've called us to let go of and we haven't done so yet, Lord. Even points of pride in ourselves, Lord, would you reveal those things to us? And Lord, will we be able to 
Lay those at your feet again freshly. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bolster our confidence in you and in your promises. Lord, through the testimonies of the faithful things you've done in us, but also in those around us, Jesus. And also through the encouragement of one another, Jesus. Would you give us an opportunity this week where we can encourage somebody else? Would you speak to us so we can encourage one another? And Jesus... Um, Lord, we worship you in the midst of our waiting. God, we acknowledge who you are and your faithfulness. God, that you bring justice. Lord, that you um, bring healing. God, that you are um, you are our Savior, Jesus. And that even in our waiting, even in our tension, Jesus, we look to you. We acknowledge who you are. And we surrender what we have in order to realign ourselves with you, Lord. Would you open our eyes to the ways you're moving this week so we can continue to move alongside you, Lord. God, we love you. Thank you for this family, Lord. Would you just be with us this week? In your name, amen.